Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Supreme Court confirmation of Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson has had its share of questionable moments by politicians trying to gin up outrage. But is this something new, something old? When did it begin and why and how do we fix it? Let's figure that out. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're really thrilled to have joining us on the program today, Robert Price. He's a journalist for KGET-TV and uh, is a regular columnist for the Bakersfield Californian. Uh, wrote a great piece looking at the history of the Supreme Court confirmation process. And we always love to look at the history uh, to see where we've been uh, and compared with where we are so we can chart the best course to get where we actually want to go moving forward. Robert, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Boyd. I appreciate it. Uh, you wrote a great piece uh, talking about the Supreme Court confirmation process and, and kind of when and how they started to get, uh, let's just say, a little more complicated. Uh, tell us about that. Well, throughout the nation's history, there have been some times where it's been more complicated than, than other times. But especially after World War II, things got more complicated. And Earl Warren was sort of the first one. Uh, many of the early confirmations. There were actually, I believe, seven in which the Senate confirmed the president's nominee the same day the nomination was made, which is kind of blows me away to even consider. And many of them, I think the average before World War II was was 10 days, a 10-day confirmation process from, from nomination to confirmation. Wow. With Earl Warren, his took 49 days. And now as we look back at 49 days, even that's fairly fairly quick yeah so uh, before before we dive into into warner what made that a little more complicated i do have to give the uh, the utah shout out uh, we've had exactly one supreme court justice uh, george sutherland and he was one of those he was actually in england giving a speech the day he got nominated and before the sunset uh, he had been confirmed so we have that little claim to fame here in the in the state of utah Uh, but give us kind of the backstory on uh, justice warren Uh, what was it that made this complicated how did that play out well first of all i'm kind of a warren ophile because uh i just damn i I admire him he's a local guy born in la raised in in bakersfield but what made his unusual uh was he was first of all three-term california governor during 
World War II. Uh, he was the vice presidential nominee for the Republican Party in 1948 against uh, Harry Truman. And of course, we have that famous uh, headline, Dewey defeats Truman, which proved to be wrong. And that also was bad news for Earl Warren. Uh, and then in 1952, he was a, a candidate for the nomination against uh, Dwight Eisenhower. But ultimately, of course, it was uh, Dwight Eisenhower. And he uh, repaid Earl Warren for his support by promising him a Supreme Court nomination. He didn't intend it to be the chief justice position, but that's the one that opened up. So that's how uh, Earl Warren became a Supreme Court chief justice. Yeah, so so let's let's look at that in terms of one just those uh qualifications and resume uh, with a lot of politics in there uh, I'm sure had to complicate a few things uh, in terms of governor and being a, a candidate and and all of those things. Uh, you also mentioned that it was a uh, uh not quite the the nomination that uh, that Eisenhower had planned uh in that it was the Supreme Court just that was a little bit of a surprise. It was what made uh, what made it lively, I guess you could say, was the fact that uh, Joseph P. McCarthy, Senator McCarthy, was at the time all the red baiting was was going on. He was charging everybody and their mother with being a communist. Uh, I think the uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, a Republican from North Dakota, said that Warren was in the Marxist way, was the way he put it, which actually put Warren in some good company because uh, Dean Acheson and George Marshall, who were both secretaries of state under Harry Truman, were also accused of being commies. So uh, that probably caused some consternation at the time. But looking back, it's, I think, kind of a point of pride that he was accused of being a communist. But that slowed things down considerably. That's how we got to 49 days instead of what before the war might have been a process of, uh, you know, 15 or 20 days. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, ultimately, though, the uh, the vote, you know, we, we've been so obsessed uh, over really the last uh, number of Supreme Court nominations of, you know, how many votes are there really? Uh, of course, we've been moving through, uh, you know, will the vice president have to cast a deciding vote? So we're kind of counting noses. Uh, it didn't quite turn out to be the, that close in terms of uh, what happened uh, with Justice Warren. As it turned out, it was uh, it came down to a voice vote, which, you know, I can't, can't imagine that sort of thing happening today. <laughs> but uh, once they got out of the Judiciary Committee, uh, where I think Warren uh, was uh, approved 12 to 3, they just threw it out for a voice vote and there were no audible no's in the chamber. And so uh, he was, uh, in effect, uh, unanimously confirmed by the Senate. But uh, that's a bygone era for sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can't uh, you, you can't get a. Uh a social media moment or a fundraising opportunity if it's a voice vote. <laughs> if we saw some some sound bites, we're going to hear from uh, you know Ted Cruz and others. I'm sure in 2024 during uh, you know presidential election maneuvering. Yes, uh, what a guy he is. You know. <laughs> Uh, so, so what does this tell us about where we really are? What does it tell us where the Supreme Court is in terms of its place uh, in our society and in our, our day-to-day living? Uh, and what does it tell us about where we are politically? Well, it, it does seem like the court has become, you know, super politicized. You know, I think it always has been politicized to an extent. And the idea of uh, justices who are absolutely fair-minded, I don't know if that's ever been the case. There's always been politics and personal ideas you know, as part of the court, but uh, we're just sort of hyper-politicized now, and we've seen that with some of these confirmation hearings, the uh, Amy Coney Barrett and uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, Clarence Thomas. We've seen some some drama, and it hasn't really had anything to do or much to do with judicial demeanor. Uh, it's, it's all about, you know, well, where would you vote here, and how yeah. do you feel about this? The things that judges are never asked to 
you know consider. Right. Uh, and uh, what else do you think is is playing in? Uh, to all of that, I uh, would love your perspective in terms of, you know, obviously the politics of it all were, were kind of there. Um, but what else is, is influencing it and causing the Supreme Court to be in this in this space uh, where these hearings become so contentious? Just in the last 20 years, maybe or even less, uh, it just seems like um, the parties have become more about party and less about country. And I, I think that's maybe been reflected in the, the nominations that presidents make and the way they're received by the Senate. I wish we could kind of roll it back a little bit, but this is where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating too. I uh, it, it's always interesting to to watch and track once once people get to the court, uh, and it seems that uh, one thing Supreme Court justices do pretty well is disappoint those that nominated them. <laughs> that Absolutely, some of those yeah. nominated by conservatives, you know, kind of move to, to the middle, and those uh, by the left uh, move to the middle a little bit, and, uh, and then everybody gets angry. Yeah, as, as Dwight Eisenhower said about uh, Earl Warren, the damnedest fool mistake I've ever made. <laughs> And, you know, and of course, Donald Trump nominated, was able to bring three justices in just one term to the court. And they disappointed him by refusing to hear that Texas case, which might have potentially overturned this last election. He thought he had his guys, his guys and his girls on the court to, to back him up. And uh, it turned out they followed the law instead of. Uh, his wishes. Yeah, and that is what we hope for every Supreme Court nominee, whether that's uh, coming from a Democrat or Republican or whatever else happens in the future, that uh, that they do focus on calling balls and strikes and and applying the law. Uh, that's that's really the key to the whole thing there, for sure. Uh, well, Absolutely. great, great stuff. Robert Price, uh, journalist for KGET TV and uh, regular columnist for the Bakersfield Californian. Uh, great piece, great insight, especially as we roll uh, into a week that will give us both the committee vote and then uh, it'll move on to the floor of the United States Senate. It will definitely be fascinating. Robert, really appreciate your perspective today. Thank you, Boyd. I appreciate it. So important as the committee votes on the 4th of April. Uh, once that's done, then we'll move to the Senate where debate will surely happen and some interesting moments will take place. But I think the most important thing for all of us is what these justices actually do. Uh, they don't wear red jerseys and blue jerseys. They wear black robes and they wear robes, not capes, because they're not supposed to be superheroes and fix Congress's problems or presidential mistakes. Uh, they're there to call the balls and strikes. And every member of the Senate uh, should take that as the call, that as the responsibility. Do your job. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.